Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things today? Things are good. Things are a little on the busy side. I think we got together two nights ago and I told you I stood in the rain for two hours freezing and now I have a cold. So Mm. such is life. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, right. right. Matt, we do. Uh, we did have uh, a show earlier this week. It was awesome with John Moore yeah, dropping some wide receiver knowledge. Uh, today we have another great guest, Elliot Christ of the uh, Draft Daily Pod and uh, newly of Four for Four. Elliot, how's it going? It's going well, man. Nine days and counting to the NFL Draft. All the reports for Baker Mayfield are going to the Jets, and I'm trying not to, you know, get too excited just to have my heart broken. Listen, I, I promised our listeners this would be a non Baker Mayfield pod. We're we're thirty seconds in, and and we're talking about him. So no no surprise, we were talking about him before the show as well. I just stay on brand for at least one second. I won't bring him up the rest of the podcast. And and you do have the the Baker headband on as well, just to just to will him to your Jets, right? Yeah, I look like Karate Kid or whatever other <laughs> idiot you want to see. The, the least athletic person at the YMCA playing basketball. I, I look terrible, but you know what? I'm sticking with it. All right. Well, we're going to get right, right into the draft talk uh, today. So, Elliot, you've been doing this draft daily pod. I mean, Matt does a bunch of pods. I do a bunch of pods. We both know kind of what that grind is. And when you told me you were – you were planning to do a daily draft pod and literally that that is the name of a draft daily pod. I had some doubts. I just know how hard it is to do a podcast and to do one every day. Uh, that's, that's a grind. So w- what pushed you to even want to want to try that this, this draft season? Yeah, it's a grind. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I knew just how much work it was going to be in my head. <laughs> I thought, you know, there'll be 15 to 20 minute episodes and then I'll put them on and you forget about, you know, the fact that there's two hours of work that goes in each one. And then you have to get all, I have to get seven new guests a week. That's difficult to do. And uh, then there's all the editing. And the first time I edited a podcast, I had no idea what I was doing, but honestly, I wanted to try to figure out something different. I, I always remember a marketing professor of mine at St. Joseph's who said, don't focus on your idea, figure out if there's like a a problem and try to find a solution. And to me, I was trying to find something that was different than all the other podcasts. Cause you know, I, I feel like there are, there are, there's a ton of information out there on the NFL draft and uh, on fantasy football and dynasty and all that stuff. But I thought there wasn't that much where I could basically create 15 minute hitters, quick information on a lot of different prospects. And I, I thought it was a new different way to do something so that's why i tried to attack it that way and basically create my own draft guide with the opinions of myself and you know 80 other analysts on different players and kind of go into detail on different guys and so i i tried to basically do something different yeah it certainly has been different it's been uh, uh, enjoyable and informative and, and just lots of awesome content what are your plans for the pod after the draft are, are you going to continue with it? Or are you going to start your work at, at 4 for 4? What are the plans there? Uh, I have work going on as we speak for 4 for 4. I've been uh, writing stuff that should come out uh, at the end of April. So I'm excited for that. I'll probably do a couple episodes of the podcast post-draft to just kind of wrap up the draft. 
I mean, I, I have you coming on the draft next, uh, the podcast next week, and we're going to do a dynasty rookie stuff and try to bring out some different information. But I think for the most part with the podcast, I'll do a couple more episodes. They'll have uh, replay value because you can go back and look at the different guys out of your dynasty league or your NFL team, who whoever were drafted, and learn more about them. But kind of take a serious break from the podcast until next draft season. Yeah, that that was my next question. We we can't expect it to come back next year. Uh, that's the plan as of right now. Well, we'll, we'll you know everything is constantly changing, but I would I would love to do it again for sure. Uh, someone asked me if I was going to go 365 days a year. <laughs> Why as well? 365 day a year NFL draft coverage with a new analyst every day would get really really difficult in June to find seven new people to talk prospects. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to focus on a, a different prospect every uh, yeah, every would, episode. So to answer that question, which I, I did on Twitter, no, this is not going to be 365 days a year of NFL draft content. You're you're letting down your fans, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> so you you've had the chance to interview dozens of writers and scouts and and at least one player, maybe a couple of players. That was that was uh, impressive for sure. Uh, learning about their opinions on on players and. And really, maybe more importantly, their process for learning and for scouting. What about you? What What is your scouting process like for just getting to know these players in each class? Is this is this a year round thing for you? Or are you uh, diving in hot and heavy come January? How's it work for you? You know, with getting more and more opportunities in football, it allows me to do this more and more long term. I used to, you know, four or five years ago when I started. I would start in January and start researching guys and watch film and whatever I get my hands on and keep my own notes. But no one really cared about me until two years ago when I started putting stuff on Twitter and it's blown up a lot. My process is basically I try to collect all the data I can on players and I try to watch all the film I can and I I grade out what I see and I see how the numbers match up and I add add in the combine. And then when you do the fantasy side of it, which I think is fascinating, it's so interesting how my rankings today mean nothing 10 days from now, 11 days from now, when we have landing spots and that determines an an incredible amount of value in, in rookies. But, you know, I think the best part about interviewing 75 plus people on their processes is you get to take a little bit of something from everybody and what they're seeing and try to put it into your own process and put it into what and the way you evaluate someone, you know, whether you, you take Mike clay, for example, and you talk about his different metrics and which metrics he finds are most important, or, you know, I talked to uh, Heath Harding, for example, or Devron Davis, a couple different cornerbacks uh, that are kind of late round guys in, in this draft class. And I asked them what they thought was the most important position uh, part of playing cornerback. And they said confidence. And, you know, you hear that out of a lot of people, but we forget about the fact that these guys are people. And, you know, cornerbacks, for example, they're constantly put on an island. And having the confidence to, you know, you get beat in the next play, you're like, you're never doing that again is incredibly important. And you, you kind of look for, like, little nuances in guys' game. Are they talking a lot? Are they kind of how, – how do they respond in down situation, uh, situations where they got beat the play before? How do they bounce back the next play? Um, it, it's hard to say one individual thing, like – uh I had uh, Matt Caraccio on yesterday, and he was talking about the uh, the freedom of movement and uh, little different nuances and how you have plans for movement. And he sent me a book on that, and I'm going to spend a lot of time reading on that uh, this this off season, trying to evaluate or add some of that to my process. So I, I really think the best part of the podcast is that you know there's there's a lot of really smart people out there, and you can 
kind of incorporate a lot of what they do into what you do. All right. I told you guys about this company a little bit ago, and I'm hooked. It's Simple Contacts. And what you need to do is go to simplecontacts.com slash dynasty. Use our promo code dynasty. And they got in touch with us. And I've been wearing contacts since third grade. And I hate going to the eye doctor. So what I would, you know, what these guys offer at Simple Contacts is you can pretty much do everything from home. It's by far the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere. It only takes a couple minutes, which is crazy. If you need to renew your prescription or if you just want to get an extra box or two so you don't have to go back to the, the doctor for a while, that's what I did. Take a five-minute test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor and you receive a renewed prescription and reorder for your contacts. All you need is your current contacts and internet connection and 10 feet of space. If you have an unexpired prescription, you just upload a photo like I did or your doctor's information and order the lenses. It's really, really convenient. There's a million things demanding of your time. Contact lenses should not be one of them. The vision test is self-guided. And like I said, it really only takes a couple of minutes. Think how much time you save compared to making an appointment, going to the eye doctor, taking the time off of, of your day or having to go, you know, get out of work. Uh, it's designed by doctors and they review every test. It's unbelievable. What you need to do is you go to simplecontacts.com, use our promo code Dynasty, and all you will pay is the, the vision test is only 20 bucks compared to making an appointment and all that. That's 200 And you will save all kinds of money with this promotion. I absolutely think you need to check it out. want to stress, though, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You do save 30 bucks though, by going to simplecontacts.com slash dynasty. The promo code is dynasty. I highly recommend it. Elliot, with, with 70 plus podcasts and counting, you've, you've covered a ton of these incoming rookies through this experience. And I'm sure your guests, the, the folks that you've had a chance to talk to have, have influenced your opinion on, on a lot of these players. Who are uh, one or two players that you can think of that maybe as a result of your conversation or your interview that you found yourself changing your evaluation or just changing your mind on? That's that's a tough question. Um, there are a couple guys, man. Um, I think that Josh Rosen is someone that uh, Matt Waldman and I talked a lot about, and he, he kind of helped me with a couple of nuances with Josh Rosen with a couple of – the issues I was having him uh, with him, for example, his ability under pressure and how he made some bad decisions and kind of talking about how Rosen is this box. If he was a boxer and I'm, I'm going to just quote Matt here, cause I can't really describe it better than that, that he'd be a technician. He'd win like Floyd Mayweather, right? If, if he just technically beats you over and over again, he'll do it, but he wants to brawl and he gets into himself in these situations. And I think I was focusing a little bit too much on the negative plays and not as much on the positive, the accuracy, the footwork, the uh, mechanics. Um, so I, I think that after talking with Matt, I moved Josh Rosen uh, up my board. One guy I was higher on and then kind of came back down to earth some. Actually, you know what? Let me throw one more out that I really liked was Vita Vea. I talked with John Owning. I had hmm. a couple questions on Vita Vea uh, in terms of his usage in today's NFL because I think he's great against the run. I think he's got – he kind of relies on one pass rush move and John really John owning is a fantastic guy when it comes to pass rushing prospects. And he broke down um, 
what Via does and how he's got this trump card. He can probably do more than just that. And you know what? I came around some on Via uh, or Vea, and you know he he's my all defensive tackle number two. But I I can I'm now very comfortable with taking him. You know, top twenty after talking to John. One guy I was uh, higher on and then moved down some. That's a tougher one because typically I have people that <laughs> are big fans of guys as opposed to not so much. So I guess another one that I moved up my board some was Dallas Goddard. I had uh, uh, Jordan from PFF, Jordan uh, Plocker from PFF come on. And he he's loved Dallas Goddard for like three years. His man crush of Goddard rivals mine of the guy I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, so, <laughs> you know, he... He he talked to me a lot about Goddard and a lot about some of my concerns he had. And, you know, it's really hard to have a conversation with Jordan and not come away a Dallas Goddard fan. All right. Good stuff. Um, and, and again, just listening to uh, listening to all these episodes. And, and like you said, for the most part, they're they're pretty quick hitters. They're all focused on uh, one player almost exclusively. And uh, again, across your 70 plus episodes, you rarely repeat coverage of a player or discussion about a, a single player. So lots, lots of great information definitely suggest our listeners check out that pod as well. We're going to get into some of the specific rookies and we'll, we'll cover all four positions as we, as we usually do. And what we're really looking for today, Elliot is your favorite player at a position and one player that you would be avoiding. And of course, we're going to look at this from a dynasty fantasy football perspective. We'll start with the quarterback position and, and we're just going to eliminate Baker Mayfield. We know we know he's your guy. So other than Baker Mayfield, uh, who is who is a player that you're loving for dynasty fantasy leagues? Oh, it's got to be Lamar Jackson um, with his rushing upside. I mean, and fantasy football, if he, if you can run the ball the way Lamar Jackson does, it doesn't even necessarily matter what you do in the passing game. Like Tyrod Taylor does so little in the passing game in the NFL and he's consistently a top 12 to 15 guy because he runs and you know Lamar Jackson is a far superior player to him so I think Lamar Jackson is going to carry serious fantasy value um I'm going to take the easy way out here Josh Allen is a guy I want no parts of um now I don't think his dynasty stock is incredibly high but he's a guy that you know he's probably going to go top five in the draft and there are going to be a couple guys in your league that probably like him and he's someone I'm going to let someone else make the mistake on yeah, so he is really across this entire draft class, whether you want to look at it from a fantasy perspective or just uh, an NFL perspective. He's the player that that people just seem to be hating on more than more than any other, yet at the same time he is going to end up as a top five pick. I know you discussed him on the pod. It sounds like you didn't come around uh, or, or didn't change your mind on him. I had a... Uh... Bradley uh, Iatello, I want to. I I can't pronounce names, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> of DLF, come on. And he's a big Josh Allen fan, and we talked about stuff, and we saw most of the same thing. He just values that arm strength and athleticism so much more than I do, and I I think that's that's one thing I really learned is that oftentimes you don't necessarily see different things than people. You just value different traits more or less than people do, and with, with Josh Allen, for me, it's just his prospect makeup the hit rate has been so low and then i watch the film and i have so many questions he's just he's just an easy avoid for me i totally agree especially for the real world but in fantasy i do think that running ability goes a long way he can score a lot of touchdowns in his career 
I just think I, if you constantly throw the ball to the wrong team, it's going to really hurt your ability. Oh, I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I think his accuracy is junk, too. All right, and, and again, just to uh, refresh here, we are using DLF uh, rookie ADP, so we're not gonna, going to let uh, Elliot off the hook with uh, digging too deep on his uh, his players he would be avoiding in fantasy. Uh, we're, we're focusing on these players that are being drafted in our rookie mocks right now. Let's move to the running back position. I think the only two players – Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the only two players that you have covered more than once on the pod are Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley. Is that is that correct? Yes and no. The the only one I would add in there was uh, when I had Mike Clay on, I basically broke down how he does metrics. But he wanted to talk about Josh Allen and how his metrics are like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> so I, I guess technically there's been two Josh Allen episodes as well. But um, Barkley – Barkley got a second episode where everyone started coming out and questioning Barkley. And I had Graham Barfield come on because I was like, I can't do this. I can't go back and forth with people. So this is one like rebuttal episode for Barkley. That makes sense. So uh, just as we did with Mayfield, we'll uh, we'll leave Barkley out of this conversation. Other than Barkley, who's uh, who's your favorite running back prospect in the class? For value or like over like who's my RB2? How, however you want to think, think about it. Just just maybe a running back you're excited about. Uh, Darius Geis is my RB2. John Kelly is a guy I'm really excited about. But uh, the unfortunate thing is it feels like a lot of people are really excited about him. <laughs> yeah, talk to us about Kelly. He's a guy we haven't yeah. t- talked about much on the show. So with Kelly, I think the things that really stand out to me are, one, his his route running and ability as a receiver. He he really broke linebackers down in space. He had a higher uh, receiver receiving volume uh, percentage of the offense than Saquon Barkley did. He caught 37 passes this past year. He's got really good contact balance, and he breaks a lot of tackles. Now, he's very limited athletically, and that worries me a little bit less because the way he wins doesn't require athleticism. Basically, he, he makes you miss your target point, and he uses his contact balance to break the tackles. And, you know, through the first five weeks of the season, he led uh, all running backs and uh, broken tackles per touch. So, we, we, so, and then he got caught smoking weed and Tennessee quit and everything kind of went to hell. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that he's got a lot of dynasty hype right now. He'll probably go in the fourth round of NFL drafts that may kill some of it. Um, and he's, he's a guy that I want to try to find a way to get on most of my teams. I mean, if he, if he goes to like 110 or 111, I've seen in some crazy mocks, that's, that's not buying because I want to get him at a value. You know, I mean, I, I, of course, running all these mock drafts, both startups and, and rookie drafts this time of year, I I, I kind of pride myself on having a good feel for a player's value. And Kelly is one that that I just can't get my mind around. And it's because his his uh, draft position varies so much. I've I've done rookie mocks where he's gone in the top 10, as you just mentioned, Elliot, and I've done rookie mocks where he falls to the fourth round. So we'll certainly get some clarity next week. Uh, it, it feels good to say next week, right? We'll get some clarity. Oh, <laughs> we'll get some clarity next week uh, when we find out his landing spot and, and the draft capital that's spent on him. But for now, his value is all over the board. He has some big fans like yourself. Um, I know I did one mock with Matt Harmon. He took him in the first round. And and then in others, as I said, he's fallen to the third or fourth round. So just a wide gap in his value, depending on who you talk to. It was interesting, too, because we talked to Graham Barfield and Matt Waldman, and they all like him, and they all say a lot of the same things you do. 
And, you know, Graham said something along the lines of by his metrics, he had some of the worst blocking of these guys, too. You know, the, the Tennessee offensive line was really overmatched. And then I thought Waldman had a good point, too, in saying because he's not a fantastic athlete, maybe he's a third or fourth round pick with, with you know, a running back in tow. And then next year they use a second round pick on a running back, you know, like and he just ends up in a committee and eats up your roster a little bit. I think the thing that he's got going for him is the the pass catching. And that PPR upside is always something I'm looking for. He's one of the better receivers in the class. I mean, this running back class is very good. I think it would be a much better class if it was playing in 15 years ago NFL. Because I think there are a lot of guys that have the pass catching aspect of their games in, in question. Um, Geist, Chubb. Ronald Jones, uh, yeah. Rashad Penny. Royce Freeman to some degree, carry on. Like a lot of these top guys, they're definitely questions and not necessarily answers when it comes to receiving. Ryan, I have a quick running back question for you that was presented to me and made me actually think about it. Sure. Let me hypothetical. The Browns use the first pick on a quarterback. They take Barkley at four. So that's not a great spot with Hyde and Duke already there. 28 rolls around. The Steelers take Geis. And immediately trade Le'Veon Bell for a second round pick or something. Is there any chance Geist could be one one on your board? No, not for me. It's still not enough. Okay. No. I've kind of kind of talked about it before on, on Twitter or, or on pods. I, I just really don't see any realistic situation mm-hmm. pushing Barkley out of out of the one one in Dynasty. I, I mean like it's it's gonna be right. Rough. I mean it, yeah. Get John Carter. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, sure, there would be there would be some people who would take guys at one one in in that scenario. And I mentioned this on Twitter last week as well. I do think the Steelers. I don't know if they'll take guys. I think they take one of those top five or six running backs that are being drafted highly right now uh, in in rookie drafts. You know, whether it's Chubb or uh, Michelle or Penny, whoever that might be, and and then assuming the Steelers don't trade bell, we're going to have to figure out how to value that player. Mm-hmm. I mean, just last year, it happened with James Conner, right? Didn't Conner go at the end of some round ones for people? Like everyone was like, well, if, when bell goes down, Conner's going to get that workhorse role. And people were really excited about Conner last year. Conner. I don't remember him going in the first, but he was certainly a, a player who saw his value rise because of that. I mean, he went a lot, a lot earlier than most people thought um, there at the end of the third round. I think he was the last pick of the third round. That was a surprise. Most people looked at him with the, with his, his history and just honestly lack of on field time over the past couple of years or the the previous couple of years. I think people viewed him as a fourth or fifth or maybe even sixth round pick. So the, the earlier draft position for him and, and then yeah, kind of people projecting out that, Bell could get hurt. He could get suspended. He could get traded, whatever. Uh, and, and Connor was definitely a hot name. To me, the difference in the situation I'm talking about is if it's one of these guys who's already being valued as a first rounder, that changes things. It's it, mm-hmm. it's way different than, you know, than them taking Josh Adams and then him he moves up around or something like that. No doubt, because Bell won't be back next year. I think it's fascinating with Geist, the teams that he's connected with, the Steelers, the Eagles. And the Eagles would be a dynasty killer for value too, right? Because he's going to be split with um, Ajahi and Clement and all those guys. I think that some of those later round, late first-round teams are teams you want from a dynasty perspective for Geist to avoid. 
Ajayi's a free agent after the year, though, too. So maybe that would be a real nice place to fall into a year from now. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Philly either, mostly because I'm not really a believer in Ajayi. So he he would be in the one-two conversation at the very, uh, you know, to say the least still for me. Uh, Elliot, what about a running back that you're you're just avoiding in general? For where he's going to go in rookie drafts right now, and his stock I feel like is falling some is Ronald Jones. Um, I, I think you've heard a lot of reports on NFL teams view him as a 12 to 15 touch guy. Um, he gets comps to Jamal Charles. I don't see that. I don't think he's that level of receiver at all. He's never caught more than 15 passes. He wasn't a pass catcher at um, in high school either. This year he lost a lot of third down work to Stephen Carr. Um, you know, I, I think he's a good between the tackles runner with uh, home run speed. He's got solid vision, really good uh, elusiveness, can go down a little easy on contact, probably best in his own scheme, but you know, 12 to 15 touches in the non-receiving role is not necessarily something I really have much interest in fantasy. Yeah, I agree. He, uh, we, we mentioned it a little bit last week. He just seems to be uh, losing a lot of dynasty value here before the draft, and, and Matt just keeps taking him in, in our mocks. <laughs> right, and I don't <laughs> we'll want see. him. We'll see if that happens today. <laughs> Let's move to the wide receiver position. Uh, Elliot, talk about a wide receiver you're really loving in this draft class. I'm a big Cortland Sutton guy, but you know I don't want to go just to the the top guys. So I'm, I'm going to throw two out there. I think uh, Equinemia St. Brown um, can't spell his name, but I can tell you about him. Uh, <laughs> you know, out of Notre Dame, he's he's what six foot five, two hundred ten pounds, the four four eight forty. Thought he had really good feet. He does a lot with the ball. Uh, in his hands he can make plays after the catch he's gonna need to adjust to press but you know my guess is he goes somewhere in the second round and he kind of profiles as a guy that could that has a huge ceiling an actual wide receiver one ceiling and I think he can be a vertical threat a guy that can make plays I think his quarterback play really held him back so I, I think uh, St. Brown is someone that would be a nice second round dynasty buy for me and then a guy that I want all the shares of that I can get third fourth whatever round he's going in is Kiki Cutie um, I, I had a tweet a couple months, uh, like a month ago that says, I don't know what Kiki's doing right now, but I know he's open. Uh, you know, he just, he's, <laughs> he's a fun player to watch play. He's going to be a slot receiver, electric with the ball in his hands, can get vertical, tracks the ball very well, actually has a pretty good catch radius and ability to, uh, go up and make plays in traffic for his size. I, I, I just think Cutie is a guy... I could see him having a Jamison Crowder-like impact in the NFL, uh, probably goes in the fourth or fifth round, and can be you know, a guy that sees a lot of volume out of the slot and does a lot of things um, in that slot position. He's fast, though, too, isn't he? I mean, he's not just a quicker-than-fast guy. He's got good speed, doesn't he? I think he ran a 4-3-8, I want to say, or 4-4, four, four, yeah. something like that. So he is he's very fast, yeah. and I know he was pissed about it. I know, like, right. he thought he was going to run in the low four threes. And you're watching with Patrick Mahomes, man. They can throw the ball 70 yards down the field, and he is just dusting people. So I I think there's a lot to like with Cutie. And what about a, a wide receiver that you're you're down on, maybe compared to everyone else? This The wide receiver rankings in this class are so tough in general because there's not that much that separates a lot of these guys, and a lot of them are style preferences. I think DJ Moore might be one of the funnier guys to look at in this class. And listen, his workout numbers were phenomenal and his production numbers are amazing. But everyone in the fantasy community, it feels like, 
uh, hates Jarvis Landry, right? They say all his work is underneath and it's manufactured production. <laughs> and then those same people love DJ Moore and you watch DJ Moore and like 80% of his stuff is underneath routes where they have to manufacture production for him. Um, but I, I like DJ Moore and he's going to have the draft capital that makes him a very good dynasty buy, in my opinion. It's tough in general because I don't think people are very high on this class. But Michael Gallup is someone I've seen people really high on. I think he's a nice player, but I don't think he's this guy that can develop into wide receiver one. I, I know he's PFF's wide receiver one. If he's a first-round dynasty guy, I'm, I have no interest in him. Auden Tate, I don't want my wide receivers running four seven five that struggle to create separation against anything with zone. It's just basically a jump ball receiver. Um, DJ Shark, I think he's basically just a vertical threat. Mac, Torrey Smith kind of like player, and that's not a guy I really want to invest a ton in. Um, so those are a couple guys that I'm down on compared to other people. If you had to put a buck down right now of one of these guys in this class that would be a top 12 fantasy producer for a couple years, I mean, a true number one, wide receiver one, who could get there? Are we talking about right away or just in general in their career? No, in their career. I would put Cortland Sutton in that mix. I mean, his yeah. size-speed combination with, mixed with the three-cone and the fact that he can really make plays with the ball in his hand and down the field. Uh, he's got some route running that issues that he needs to, to fix up. And I think his biggest one of his biggest blocks is mentally, where sometimes he gets frustrated that he gets doesn't get the football and he kind of takes some plays off. And he can if he can fix some of that and can continue to develop, I think he could be a really good player. I can see him being Dallas's first-round pick. I could I could totally see that. I I'm interested in what you guys think in this this topic because I've talked a lot about this. Is people think there's going to be one or two wide receivers that go in the first round? DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I've heard DJ Shark mentioned there as well. But you know, last year we had three guys go top ten. The wide receiver position has been pushed. Players have been pushed up. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple guys that go top twenty that people are surprised by. Like I could see Cortland Sutton going 14 overall to the Packers and then DJ Moore going 19. Uh, Calvin Ridley maybe going to the Ravens and they're, they're guys whose stock go up on uh, post-draft. Just to elaborate on that, we talk about this a lot on the podcast that, boy, all of a sudden there's a lot of running backs and not a lot of receivers. I mean, you look at the past three or four classes, really since 2014, the Odell Evans year, there hasn't been great influx of talent at that position. So this league is very supply and demand oriented. And we saw what not only Watkins and A-Rob and those guys got in free agency, but even like Richardson and Moncrief. I mean, like spot players are making a ton of money that I actually think with as many three receiver sets as we see, there's a little bit of a shortage right now. Yeah, I don't really have a good feel for it as far as how many might go in the first round. Uh, I, I do think there's enough there are enough names out there that have at least been mocked or mentioned as potential first rounders chark. And I mean, even I've seen Christian Kirk at the end of the first round and some mocks. So if you say that Ridley's a lock first rounder and DJ Moore is a lock first rounder, and then Sutton's, you know, Sutton's probably in good shape to go there, then we could, yeah. I mean, we could see one more for sure at, at that that uh late part of the first let's uh let's end up elliot with the tight end position one guy you're really a big fan of one guy you're probably going to be avoiding in dynasty rookie drafts 
I'm a big fan of whoever the Saints draft a tight end. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, sure. I, that's that's the guy whose value is going to shoot up, right? I think everyone assumes the Saints are going to take a tight end one of the first two rounds. And but pre-draft, I want nothing to do with Hayden Hurst. You know, stay. I don't need 25 year old rookie tight ends. I don't in dynasty, especially. Um, now I'm going to look like an idiot if that's who the Saints pick, but <laughs> um, you know, is the tight end position typically takes two to three years to adjust. Now, Evan Ingram and OJ Howard and David Njoku made some plays rookie year, specifically Ingram. Ingram was a really good rookie. Um, I think uh, Gusecki and Dallas Goddard have a lot of upside. Uh, Gusecki's kind of this freak athlete that can make some plays down the field. Uh, Goddard reminds me a little bit of Zach Ertz meets Cameron Brait. Um, big catch radius, probably going to have an adjustment period as well. Um, and then Mark Andrews is a slot receiver that I think can do some uh, some work. But after that, the, it's it's a very mad tight end class to me. One note about Saints tight ends I just wanted to bring up is I think a lot of people are looking for, boy, they need to get the next Jimmy Graham. And, yeah, that would be awesome, you know, if it's Gusecki or somebody like that that doesn't really block and really is just a huge wide receiver. That would be great, but – Times are changing in New Orleans. They run the ball a lot. I mean, I think they need more of an inline guy. And to me, that would be Goddard. I mean, like if they took Goddard at the end of the first round, I'm loving that. I think who I don't want to say whoever, but if they take Gasecki or Goddard, those guys are shooting into the the first round of, yeah. of rookie drafts. Uh, almost, almost no question on that one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that's where everyone. Whenever you talk about a tight end and they say ideal landing spot, everyone just immediately says New Orleans. I mean, they have they have nobody right now. Do they still is Kobe Fleener still on the roster? Because he needs to yeah. not be on an NFL roster. <laughs> he's still he's still there. There's actually a couple teams that are really bad off a tight end, like Detroit, Seattle, Baltimore. There's I mean, they're not off, you know, they don't have Drew Brees throwing to him with Sean Payton scheming things up, but there's some teams that really could use a tight end. The Jets. Yeah. Oh my god, the Jets tight end situation oh. is not it's not good. The, it's like uh, the, the three Cl- of us. Yeah, the Clive Wofford, Bucky Hodges, uh, Jordan Leggert special is, <laughs> right. is not great. But let's – I'm That's not allowed really to talk about out there. this one prospect. But let's just say that the Jets do make me happy at three. And Mark Andrews, you know, he's kind of been that late round two, early round three kind of guy. If he goes to the Jets at 71 and he who must not be named goes three – I don't want to call him Lord Voldemort, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I think that could really help Andrew's value as well in terms of bringing that chemistry from college with you know a huge gap at tight end and receiver in general for the Jets. Yeah, it's not a bad point. Hey, I'm going to take a minute to tell you about another sponsor. One's been with us since the beginning, basically. That's our friends over at Harry's, and I've told you this many times. I got acquainted with Harry's from an older podcast back in my ESPN days. I used to be just an electric shaver guy, and when Harry's came along, I said, heck, I'll give it a try. They're the sponsor, and now I'm hooked. I've been using them for, what, four or five years every day. Um, it's, it's the best out there. So Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision, but it should be for you. So they created a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. The Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. They didn't need all the bells and whistles that you get and all these lubricating strips and all these different things. So they made a sharp, durable steel that lasts, and it's a great razor. They make them right in their own factory. They sell you directly over the Internet. They offer you better blades at a better price. 
lower than a leading brand. They're about half the price. They're only two dollars a blade compared to four or more. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days, and they'll give you a free refund, which is unbelievable. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a great handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover, all that whenever you go to harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know I helped I sent you to help support our podcast. As we always do, we're going to end the show with a one round rookie mock draft. And Matt, it's your turn to go first. So you get the first pick. I think I know who it might be. Yeah, I'll take Barkley. All right. Uh, 1.02. I will take Darius Geis and we'll give Elliot the three pick. Is this super flex or non super flex? No, no super flex. Nah. Just, just PPR one quarterback. Uh, <laughs> I trade down. <laughs> um, this is why we give you the the third pick. You get to I, make listen, the tough well, you decision. Took the, you took the two easy ones. Um, I'm going to take Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. I'm going to take Nick Chubb, and they're close to me, but I slightly prefer Chubb. All right, I'm going to at five break the wide receiver seal and take DJ Moore. So it is. Um, let's see. Going Barkley, yeah. Geis, Michelle, Chubb, Moore. Yeah, back to Elliot at six. I'm going to take Rashad Penny. Damn it. I'm going to take Ronald Jones again. Oh, man. <laughs> I take him every damn time we have one of these, and I don't even like him. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> at least wait until your last pick. Get some value out of it, at least. Yeah, but he's the next <laughs> guy up on my board. I'm going to take him. All right. I'm going to – I think I'm going back to wide receiver. I'm going to take Cortland Sutton. There goes my pick. Yeah, um, I, I knew I was sniping you there. This is where it gets really tough. So do you, is that kind of the end of the tier for you? I I would probably, depending on where he goes, Calvin Ridley's probably going to be included in that. But I think Ridley might be a better NFL player than fantasy player, though. Um, That's a good point with him. I'd probably take – I probably would take Calvin Ridley because I don't think Royce Freeman's going to go as high as people think. But this is where the carry-on Johnson and Royce Freeman round two talk can change a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I'm going to take Calvin Ridley because it's pre-NFL draft. You probably s- sniped Matt on that one. He likes Ridley as well. Yeah, I, Ridley's my eighth guy. Johnson and Freeman keep flopping between 9 and 10. I'll take Johnson. And I'll go back to the wide receiver spot again. I think I've taken all wide receivers. Uh, I'll go James Washington here. And Elliot, finish it off with the 12th pick. Royce Freeman. All right. Sounds like an easy one for you. Um, I, I guess I'm starting to see some a, a tier. Of course, Barkley's in his own tier. I think it can probably be argued that Geis is in his own tier too, only because I've I've seen very little talk of uh, just of people preferring Michelle or Chubb or or any of the wide receivers there. So that third tier is, of course, where it gets interesting. Michelle, Chubb, Penny. Moore, Sutton, Ridley, and where you find that tier ending and how many players you include in that tier is really going to be vital. And and basically, some of you have a little less than two weeks to start figuring that out and, and maybe make some pre-draft moves. I would not if – I, if I was in a draft, I'm going to be in a lot of drafts. <laughs> if I have like 105, I'm very open to moving down. 
And who would be your five? Penny or more? Probably Penny. Just I always lean the running backs in Dynasty because I trust that I'm going to get the early production and then try to acquire uh, veteran wide receivers. Because wide receivers obviously have the longer-term outlook, but running backs typically make the bigger impact early on. So I guess it also it really depends on the, your roster too, right? It's really hard to talk about an overall picture without knowing a roster. Yeah, yeah. This this tier and and really this entire class, other than Barkley, is there's just so little separation that these picks in in the middle of the first, end of the first, they do become very team dependent. All right, great stuff, Elliot. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know we're we're all looking forward to the NFL draft. Tell our listeners where they can find your work. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Christ, one L one T, no H and Christ. It's Christ, not Christ. Uh, you can listen to the Draft Daily podcast. You can follow that on Twitter at Draft Daily Pod. And then I'll t- I tweet out the iTunes link every day that there's a new episode. And then my work will be found on four four. There's going to be a, I'm going to have a lot on the rookies as soon as they get drafted and landing spot and how that landing spot affects their outlook. All right, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back later this week with one more episode of the Dynasty Blueprint.